a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. It is a time of both hope and mourning within the Rebellion. While on a secret mission to deliver stolen plans for the Death Star to the Rebel Alliance, Princess Leia Organa was captured by the Galactic Empire and forced to witness the battle station's power as it destroyed her home planet of Alderaan. With the help of a farm boy pilot and a fast-talking smuggler, Leia escaped her captors and completed her mission. Using the plans, the Alliance was able to destroy the Empire's ultimate weapon. Having proven themselves a formidable enemy to the Empire, the Rebels are in more danger now than ever, leaving them with little time to celebrate their triumph or lament their loss. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 97 of the Comic Book Time Machine feed, and Episode 99 of Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed, Star Wars Princess Leia Issues 1 through 5 the miniseries from 2015. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the comic book time machine, the Marvel's cosmic comics, uh, which is where we take a look at the comic books that Marvel published during the star Wars period from 1977 to 1986. And the comics we're looking at in particular are the comics that were licensed from other sources. For example, star Wars was licensed and there's other things, but this is a different episode. This is a special episode. You may remember a while back I did an episode about uh, the first six issues of the new Star Wars comic. This is the comic published by Marvel after Disney bought Marvel. And when Disney bought Marvel after that, they or soon after that, they bought Lucasfilm. And so it was only a matter of time before Marvel would start publishing Star Wars comics again. And so as a part of my coverage of Marvel's cosmic comics, that 86 through 77 thing. I've also been looking at the new Star Wars stuff, and I included the episode I did about Skywalker Strikes, the first six issues, as part of both feeds. And I also did an episode about the uh, remastered movie comics of Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And I've been meaning to get back to it, meaning to get back to it. And when I was realizing that uh, both the main comic book time machine feed and the Marvel's cosmic comics feed were they were both creeping up on issue or rather episode uh, 100. And I thought it'd be neat if I could get them to converge with a special episode. And so, I mean, the way I've been doing the Marvel's cosmic comics is I've been doing one comic book per episode and then I compile them into an omnibus and so that's for their own feed over if you wanted to just subscribe to the Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed, you can subscribe there. But then over at the Comic Book Time Machine feed, where it's uh, more general topics, uh, I've been compiling omnibus 
editions where I take all of the November cover date, uh, 1978 issues and, and put them all together in one long episode. And so you, there's actually two ways you can listen to the same content. It's just one, it comes at in a general comic book feed. And the other one is a dedicated feed to just those Marvel's licensed comics. And, uh, so both those are reaching issue 100. I thought, okay, it'd be great to have them converge. And I was trying to think of what I could have them converge on. And the plan was to do an episode here with, uh, about the prequel trilogy of comic books. They did hardcover editions and I'm still going to do that. Uh, but that was going to be kind of the, the impetus for me to get back into the more modern star Wars comics. And then episode 100 of both feeds would be John Carter, Warlord of Mars, annual number two, which I've just been waiting to do something special with it because I wanted the annuals to be something special, something different. I figured out what the, the special thing is going to be. It's not going to be another interview with a master creator like I did with Marv Wolfman. Uh, instead, well, I'm, I'm not going to reveal that. I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's nothing bigger than that f- for sure. Uh, it, it, hopefully, whoever would wa- would listen to an episode about Annual 2 of John Carter, Warlord of Mars, would find this to be something interesting. It's just something interesting, something special and, and different and weird. That was the plan and still is the plan for episode 100 of both Comic Book Time Machine and Marvel's Cosmic Comics. And the, they will converge very soon. But I have changed my plans about the hardcover editions of the prequel trilogy comics. And the reason for that is, um, well, it's in, it's in the topic. I'm doing the star Wars princess Leia graphic novel collection. Uh, the reason I chose to do this though, was, was I, I dug this out because of the news of Carrie Fisher's passing. And, you know, I, I, I'm going through a period right now of, of loss and, uh, Celebrity loss is something that I I find very strange and and it just it's just something that I, I'm not quite sure how to how to deal with with that when whenever, you know, someone important to me, uh, but someone I don't know has passed away. I, I never really know how to respond. And, and I'm already going through a period of loss uh, in my own life right now with uh, just not just people, but um things and and it's it sounds really weird and really dumb and this is not meant to be a, a therapeutic episode for me although i guess it kind of is um i mean any kind of uh, uh memorial or whatever you want to call it and that's that really is for us it's therapeutic for us to to help us to deal with the loss that we're going through and I mean, funerals are obviously not for the person who passed away. The funeral is for the living. It's for us and, and, you know, memorial stones. And, you know, we just, um, just had Christmas, uh, with my family for the first time since my, my grandmother died. And then when we were driving home, uh, I asked my wife, do you want to stop by grandma's tombstone? And I, maybe getting too personal here. I, I don't know, but, um, we, we, we stopped by and, and again, it was not for her. It was for us. It was for my wife and my, and myself and my wife didn't get to be there for, uh, for the burial. And so it was a moment for her to see the tombstone and, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a moment for us and it was a time of memorial for, for us to remember and, and that. And so 
yeah. So with with the passing of of people I don't actually know, I always feel weird going through the grieving process because I, I never knew Carrie Carrie Fisher. I, I and the the things that I associate with her weren't really her. I mean, the, the things that I knew of her, they weren't me knowing her. They weren't me getting to know her. They were they were character characters that she portrayed, and. I mean, there were th- certain things that she did do that were really her that was where, OK, you're seeing her personality come through on that. But again, I, I don't know her from that. And, and so, like I said, I, it's just something where I feel bad for feeling weird. I feel bad for not feeling, you know, and, and wanting to go out and, and mourn, I guess, in, in the way that, that I see other people mourning. And I kind of feel a slight tinge of jealousy seeing that. Uh, again, maybe I'm just getting way too personal on this. And uh, we're here to talk about comics. We're not here to talk about all of the, you know, interpersonal, deep inner thoughts and, and secret feelings and all that kind of stuff. Um, here to talk about comics. But I did, I pulled this out and, and read it again um, and decided to do this episode primarily because of, of Carrie Fisher's passing. And, you know, Carrie Fisher is the one who brought Princess Leia to life. And Princess Leia as a character was important to me as uh, as a child and as a, an adolescent. And definitely a part of that was, you know, that schoolboy crush, sort of, so to speak. Uh, but a, another part of that was she, Princess Leia, was the first or one of the first uh, female role models for me, uh, you know, to, to be able to look at, at someone and say, OK, wow, she's she's a girl and she's action hero and she's pretty and she's doing this and she's doing that. And she's, you know, taking Luke Skywalker's gun out of his hands. Like, wait, a girl can do that. I mean, remember I'm, I'm young when this is happening. Um, but she set a good example for me, you know, that goes beyond some of the other examples that I was seeing of women who were meant to be in distress. And, you know, princess Leia was in distress in the same way that a lot of other people were in distress in the Star Wars movies, they she got rescued because she had gotten captured. But, you know, once she gets rescued, what happens? She takes control, not complete control. I mean, she's letting other she's letting the guys do some of their stuff as well, you know. But she's stepping in and saying, Okay, this isn't going well, but I've got a plan. And she's impulsive and she's uh skilled and and she was a great character and i did see someone say that she kind of lost some of that greatness in empire strikes back because in empire strikes back she's just kind of being pulled and pushed from one place to another and doesn't really have control over her destiny and there is some truth to that however so is every single other character that's not a bad guy okay um because the whole thing is you know the the empire attacks where a place of safety and when the empire attacks this place of safety the rebellion they just have to get out of there and so everyone is just being you know okay well we don't have any choice we got to get out so we got to go and they're being pushed from one place to another to another and everyone their destiny is not in their hands except for luke skywalker who just makes some pretty depending on a certain point of view, bad choices and depending on other points of view, you know, good choices for him to, to have left uh, Dagobah. But as you know, it's all happening. He has plenty of choice. Um, 
he's not getting pushed and pulled from one place to another until he gets, you know, into the fight with Darth Vader. And then he's lost his destiny. He's getting pulled and pushed from one place to another because Darth Vader is using the force to pull and push him from one place to another and, you know, chop it off his hand. And I mean, Luke Skywalker's ultimate choice in the Empire Strikes Back is to you know, jump off the jump off the rail there and fall down the giant shaft. But we're not here to talk about Empire Strikes Back either. We're here to talk about the Princess Leia comic book. And I have to say, I think the Princess Leia comic book is a fitting tribute to the character that Carrie Fisher created. Now, the other meme I've seen recently has been, you know, she's not Princess Leia. She's General Leia. And I understand the impulse behind that. Uh, I don't think she loses her identity of royalty by being a general. I don't think she loses her identity as general in being called Princess Leia. I mean, I have plenty of different roles. Uh, Just recently, you know, I was at my family's house. Well, I had people calling me dad. I had people calling me son. I had people calling me Uncle Ben. And I had people calling me Cousin Ben. And yes, I, I do have a family member who calls me Cousin Ben because he wants to make sure his kids understand our relationship. Because, you know, I never, ever understood some of the relationships I had when it was like second cousins and cousins twice removed and stuff like that. Speaking of being Uncle Ben, I might as well admit this here. Since we're burying our soul, uh, <laughs> I failed as an Uncle Ben. Um, I took one of my nephews aside and I said, you know, you need to hear this from me. I need to impart this to you. Uh, you need to hear it from me. You, you can't, you literally cannot hear this from anyone else. It must be from me with great power comes great responsibility. And you needed to hear that from me because I'm your uncle Ben. And my nephew looked at me like, what are you talking about, man? And he had no idea what I was talking about. And, and then the joke was, you know, I had to explain the joke. I explained it to him. And then I told it to my sister, trying to explain it to her, thinking she might find it funny that, that he didn't find it funny, but she didn't find it funny that he didn't find it funny because she didn't find it funny either because she didn't know what I was talking about. And it was just a whole big, terrible boondoggle. It was awful. But we're not here to talk about that either. <laughs> we're here to talk about this comic book. Princess Leia. And, and I, I don't think calling her Princess Leia diminishes at all what they created into her character with the movie The Force Awakens, where she is a part of the rebellion or the resistance as a general. I don't think it diminishes that at all, because that is one of her titles and that is one of her roles. And that is the role that she had here, where she was a princess of a lost, destroyed world and part of that meme that's kind of going around articles about this and tweets and stuff about this were saying you know she she couldn't be a princess because her world it was it was destroyed and yes there's some truth to the idea and the fact that her world was destroyed but this comic here really gets into the earning of the title of princess leia Princess was a title that she was given because of her family, but in this comic, she shows that she has earned it and that she deserves that title. Now, this also kind of gets into why she makes a great leader, particularly a, a, a military leader. 
she, by the time we see her in the force awakens is a general. And in this comic here, you kind of see the beginnings of her leadership. So I'm going to go ahead and get into the comic now, and I'm going to stop talking about deep, dark secrets. Although there are probably more deep, dark secrets I could get into. Um, but those are for another day. Those are for another day when we talk about other stories, I guess. This comic here is a five issue miniseries, and it was written by Mark Wade. And the penciler was Terry Dodson, the inker, Rachel Dodson. Colorist is Jordi Belair. The letter is Joe Caramagna. Uh, the assistant editor editors were Heather Antos, Charles Beecham. The editor was Jordan D. White. And C.B. Sobolski and Mike Martz were also editors. And it starts with, we have an, the opening crawl. And I already read that at the beginning of this episode. But this this comic, it begins directly after Star Wars, you know. Uh, they talk about Rogue One and how I'm not going to spoil Rogue One at all, but Rogue One leads into the first Star Wars movie. Well, this one comes directly off the Star Wars movie. In fact, the scene, the opening scene for this is the closing scene from the Star Wars movie, the award ceremony. Now, the award ceremony has our heroes go up, they get their medals, they turn around, everyone cheers, and then the anthem starts and we get the the closing credits well we get a speech here a little bit of a speech from leia and we get the idea that there are people who are not too impressed with leia and they call her and you can almost do a drinking game with the beginning of this they call her ice princess and and there's variations on a theme with that ice princess idea but basically everyone is talking about how she has not emotionally process this and maybe it's because she's not emotionally capable to process this and what's this the destruction of alderaan and her family and her people and her world it's gone it's just plain gone and leia herself is kind of going through a crisis she's going through a crisis of identity she doesn't know what her role is anymore she doesn't know her role in the rebellion she doesn't know her role as as princess. And as far as her role in the rebellion goes, she has a bounty on her head from the Empire. And as far as her role as princess goes and, and senator, Senate has been disbanded and uh, her world, the world where she was the princess, has been destroyed. And it's gone and she doesn't have a people. I mean, what does a king do? without a people well that's her question what does a princess do without her people and there's an interesting thing that gets brought up later on is that technically speaking she's not princess anymore she's queen if you think about it uh because the queen is is no longer alive and the queen was her mother and so that's it's not a good situation uh she has lost all this stuff but in, in losing all this stuff she's lost some of her identity they, the people at the rebellion are saying that she's too valuable to be left unguarded. They can't let her go off on any missions or anything like that. But there's this rumor that's going around that survivor surviving Alderanians, 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 surviving people from Alderaan are being rounded up and 
arrested and there's being some reprisal against the the survivors and this bothers her so she seeks out evan an alderanian who she noticed was paying her respects to the the alderon uh memorial and evan resents leia but evan also wants to preserve what's left of alderon and that does mean preserving alderon's queen princess leia and this inspires leia and this actually inspires leia's mission her mission now and her role her identity as royalty from alderon is to gather and protect every last surviving son and daughter of alderon and so she sets out against orders i mean she's been told clearly she's not to go and do anything like this but she and r2d2 and evan set out and luke skywalker and wedge are sent after her in their x-wings and she uh, evan tricks them and then allows them to escape and the way she tricks them is they get ahead of them and and they're going to make it hard for them to jump to hyperspace well evan and r2d2 set this up where they had a piece of like their hyperdrive that they jettison so it looks like they have their their hyperdrive doesn't work anymore and so luke wedge they ease off and then <laughs> They just go to hyperdrive and they go into hyperspace and they head off to where they're going, which is Naboo. And Luke has a nice little moment where he smiles that she tricked them and got away. Um, but that's where they're going, Naboo. And that's the end of issue number one. And I mean, the, the two big talking points here, if we're going to talk about the story, I guess we should talk about the art first. The art is fantastic. I love this style of art. I love it. It's, it's, uh, perfect melding of cartoony and almost an animated look but with a realistic bent to it and that's definitely the the dodsons there that are bringing that to this and it's it's uh it's got clear and and crisp lines and the characters are clearly who they're meant to be even though they have more angular features than they might have in real life and i I really like the art in this. I really, really like the art. Um, but as far as the story here, uh, the, the two big things are Leia's relationships with her, her people and her relationships or relationship, I should say with Evan, who is one of her people, you know, she's looking for her place in this world. Um, people are calling her the ice queen because she, she's not showing the emotion. They think, she should be showing when she's lost so much. And the thing is, and this is something that I'm learning, even as a, you know, person in my middle age, uh, you know, everyone mourns in different ways. Everyone responds emotionally to even positive things in in different ways. And for, for Leia, a lot of this is not just grief in losing, you know, her family. It's grief in well, and we're going to see an issue too. It's grief in losing her, her role, her, her mission. And, you know, just trying to figure out who am I, who am I to all these people and who am I to this, this Evan person who is from Alderaan and who is super disrespectful. And I think that's probably one of the weaknesses. It's both a strength and a weakness because you have this relationship 
this antagonistic relationship, but I think it goes a little, a little extreme and, you know, but then it resolves and, and the resolution wouldn't work as well if it didn't go to the extreme that it goes to. So, you know, I, I'm not going to second guess that, but, uh, there is a moment with Luke that she has, and it's a nice moment where he basically says, you know, when we were escaping the Death Star and Obi-Wan Kenobi had just died, uh, you helped me. And I, I just want you to know that if you need me, I'd like to help you as well. And and it's a nice moment. But it's another Ice Queen moment, you know, or Ice Princess moment where they're just saying, hey, you know, you aren't showing your emotions the way you should. And you can't say that. Uh, I mean, there are uh, obviously there are unhealthy ways to show your emotions, but she's still in the in the thick of the beginning of just figuring out how she's supposed to feel. And I, I feel like they do a good job. I feel like this is something that the movie never really has a chance to land on. The movie just has to keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. And they give Luke his moment, but his moment is is in a safe place. The Millennium Falcon as they're flying away and he has people who can help him. And all of a sudden we're going to be attacked. We're going to move, move, move for princess Leia. Her moment comes in a lonely prison cell. They have killed her world. And then they put her in this prison cell and she's just left there. And so that's not great television or great cinema, I guess. No, let me let me rephrase. It could be great cinema, but it's not the cinema we're getting here. You know, it's not this. It's not the tone that they're trying to set in the movie. It would really, really harm the pacing if all of a sudden, uh, you know, we just spent five minutes in the prison cell with Princess Leia all by herself as she's processing her emotions. We don't get a chance to see that. And so she has, but she has had a chance to process some of that. Anyway, that's what this comic does. And I'm so glad that this is where this comic book is taking Princess Leia. And this is a, it's a good, good story. And so issue number two starts with a flashback to Alderaan. And she is practicing her fighting. But Bail Organa comes and he tells her, you know, this is, you're supposed to be doing your studies. And you need to do your studies because you're going to be the queen. And, you know, Princess Leia wants to do the fighting stuff. And she says, and I'm quoting here, I don't want to spend my life that way, humoring people and frowning at problems and arriving carefully at meaningful decisions. I want to be in the action. And I, you know, I totally understand her. I can totally get that, especially in her youth. But even even now, I don't always get excited about having to deal with people and problem solving in my in my day job. And because sometimes it's good, don't get me wrong, but it, it can be difficult. And, and the difficulty is not what I look forward to. Then we get a mission, uh, mission statement from Bail Organa. He says, the galaxy knows Alderaan as the planet of beauty, nature, poetry, philosophy, art, couture, cuisine. We freely share all with all, but the temptation to belligerence can never be erased. Our ruler, one day you must struggle to keep the culture focused on creativity, love, and life. Whatever happens, Leia, you must keep Alderaan alive. And so she has a moment in her ship where she's just sitting there by herself thinking about this and thinking about her father. And she's she says, I'm, I'm sorry, Father, for, for failing you. And 
you know, that's one of those moments that you can understand, but at the same time, you just wish you could be sitting next to her and saying, oh, it's not your fault. You know, it's, you didn't fail him and he would never think you did. But that kind of becomes a mission, uh, another inspiration behind her mission to find the, find the lost people of Alderaan. So then we go to Club Deja, where we see a, an Alderanian named Paris, who's basically a manager for some uh, musicians who are cloistered away, cut off from the outside world, so that the outside world doesn't pollute their music. Now, she's making money, and she's making money for the people at the club, uh, but she hasn't told the people from Alderaan that she has, you know, they, they perform in a private place, but their performance is beamed holographically into the, the club. And they do a great job, and they're bringing in lots of crowds, and they're bringing in lots of money. But she feels like she has betrayed them because she hasn't told them yet that Alderaan has been destroyed. And so Princess Leia and Evan come into that. Uh, they come into to Naboo under the cover that she is an Imperial auditor, which will keep people from wanting to get to anywhere near her. And she's calling herself first minister solo, which is kind of funny, kind of funny. There's a moment where she walks past a mural of, Amidala of Padme and she looks at it and for a moment it looks like the picture is looking at her it's just kind of a uh, illusion and she has a connection with the picture but she can't understand why and that's all we we get there and that's it's just nice I mean I think the only reason that they're coming to Naboo I mean they could have chosen any planet in fact they go to a couple more planets that are you know just feel like random planets but in in this case it's decidedly not random this is a place where uh, she needed to go and this is the first i have ever seen of any of any storytelling that has brought princess leia back to naboo and and she obviously doesn't know that that's her mother but you know she has that kind of connection there i haven't seen anything with her at naboo i enjoyed seeing her come to this place she sees an old friend named Jun, and he helps her connect with the club owner. But the club owner, because there, that's the place where she can find out information about where these cloistered musician musicians from Alderaan are. But when she gets to the club, it doesn't go well. Jun set her up, and it's actually set her up to get killed because he wants to keep his comfortable life, and she's upsetting that by taking these people away. Uh, so it's just there's there's a battle and once again Princess Leia shows that she's capable of handling herself in a physical fight and it's good that you know like we saw in the flashback she practiced doing this when she was young. She does rescue the the musicians and, and Paris is upset because she feels like she's betrayed them but they they get them away and and the way that they get away is she gets a new ship from Jun uh, because he owes her and he wants to get out of the situation alive. So as they are flying off, uh, one of the musicians, Tace, uh, contacts her sister. And we then see the, the big reveal, the big cliffhanger for the end of this issue is that 
Tace's sister, who she's in contact with and telling her everything about where she's going and who she's with and what they're flying around in. She's an Imperial and she's working on a Star Destroyer. So, uh, I mean, the, the big notes here for this issue are that I like the idea of the cloister. I, I like it feels like a, a nice sci-fi idea. Just, you know, you couldn't have a story like this uh, set well, I guess you could now maybe have a story like this set in our world, but I, I like it when Star Wars gets a little bit of science fiction going on. Attack of the Clones, uh, for all its faults, one of the things I like about it is that it it has it, it takes the time to stop and get into some sci-fi ideas, and you know the place where all the clones are being grown and trained. That just it feels very. I mean, I think it's meant to feel, uh, you know, very Stanley Kubrick. E there's just a, a, a different kind of sci-fi feel to that world than we get in other places in star Wars. And I, I just, I like that. I, that, that mood, that tone in attack of the clones. And I, I like it here. I like that. She, uh, is, is finding her people in different environments and i don't just mean you don't like the desert planet the ice planet but in they're doing different things and and they're they're uh away from alderaan for different reasons and and these particular people here are away from alderaan because they're musicians and they are that that's their trade and that's what they do and the other thing I, I guess here is is the mission itself and how it's growing and um, it's it's a good motivation for for Leia to get into action and I I'm glad that they went there with this. So issue three uh, starts out as they are on Solust and they go there to find a group of Alderanians who have just completely cut off communication from. Everyone. And these people are very suspicious and they are suspicious of everyone and everything, even Leia, even their princess, you know, like they know who she is, but they're suspicious of her and they're afraid that, that she's bringing the empire to them. And then it turns out she is because with, because of their, uh, suspicion because of their paranoia, they check every nook and cranny of her ship and they find the recordings of the messages that Tace and her sister have had together. And, and they realize that Tace has given away their position and the empire is coming to take them away. And so now they want Leia dead and Leia has to, you know, go out on some adventure stuff where she's running around and shooting and they're doing computer stuff to try and get away and R2 uh, saves Princess Leia and then the Imperials come and as they're fighting against the Imperials, the leader of this group of people, Jora, I think is how you say her name. She sees Leia and she stops to she respects Leia now. And so they're going to come with Leia and they're going to, you know, work together with her to find more people from Alderaan. And Leia says, you know, that paranoia that you got going on there, let's let's hang on to a little bit of that because we have to find our spy. We have to catch our spy. And that's how we end that issue. 
in issue four, we just go right into it and they have found the spy and it's taste. And this is where we kind of get the idea that Jorah, you know, she was, she was leading the group of people who were being completely paranoid. Well, she's not happy with Leia. She's not unhappy with the way Leia handles the spy situation. Leia handles the spy situation by listening to Tace. Now, Tace didn't know that her sister Tula was working for the Empire. And, you know, Leia is very understanding. And she also <laughs> remarks, uh, it must be marvelous to have a sibling. Well, you will find out, Leia. You will find out, but not before you kiss him again. Neen Num, by the way, is a gun runner and a friend of Evan, and he brings weapons to them, and he's also helped them get a fleet together. And this is kind of the beginning of uh, his relationship with Rebellion, I guess, because Leia is very impressed with him. And meanwhile, we kind of have a theme going with this issue of reunification, where we are reunifying with different uh sections of the Alderanians and then also uh, Tula and Tace, the sisters. Now the reunification with the Alderanians and I'm boy butchering that word every time I say it, but um, they are going to a planet called Esperian and Leia sends Jorah and Paris down to negotiate with these people and work on negotiate on, on reunification and when they get there, Jorah just totally ruins things because they have, uh, quote unquote, intermingled with the population of the planet. And so these are not pure Alderanians. They are half Alderanian and half Esperonium. I don't know, but we're just going to call it good. And she's disgusted by this. And so the people of the planet, they don't want anything to do with the people of Alderaan, the, the purebred, so to speak, Alderaan people. Tace's sister, meanwhile, uh, Leia offers herself in exchange for Tace's sister. Now, she is not just offering herself up. She has a plan. She must have a plan. And the reason we know she has a plan is the way she talks about things, you know, she tells R2-D2, I'll see you on the other side. And that doesn't sound like a real Princess Leia thing to say, especially to a droid. <laughs> and the people who are with her, they say, did you hear that? Yeah, she said, see you on the other side. The princess, uh, <laughs> the princess thinks she's going to die or something. And then the other guy says, uh, and go to droid heaven, you know, because, yeah. The other side for R2-D2, if you're going in that direction with your thoughts, is not the same as the you know Leia's heaven, I guess, but <laughs> reminds me of Red Dwarf when they're talking about religion with uh, the robots, and they, they're talking about well, there is no droid heaven, and and one of the robots says, "Well, where do all the calculators go?" And it's it's funnier on the show than than I just said. Anyway, um, the very end of this, our our cliffhanger, so to speak, is one of the Imperial. Uh, officers saying Leo Organa is back in Imperial custody without a prayer of rescue. And as he's saying that there's just this little grin on princess Leia's face that says she's got a plan. She's got a plan. 
So we were talking about reunification, but in issue five, um, well, first of all, she there's a double cross. Evan comes, rescues her. She escapes by uh, tricking the Imperials by uh, Neenum launches a decoy. The Imperials destroy the decoy as they go to hyperspace. And so they believe that um, Princess Leia's ship is destroyed. But then Evan thinks they're being followed. But no, they're not being followed. It's just that the Imperials are taking their Star Destroyer and going to the same place that they are going to, which is that planet Esperonia or Esperonian. And so they're not being chased. It's just it's a race, though. And when they get there, they see all these people from Alderaan have have assembled there. And there's lots and lots of ships, but they aren't going to they're not really a fleet to really fight off a uh, Star Destroyer. They need help from S Esperian. Whatever they need help from that planet, and that planet is not interested in helping, even though they have the ships that could actually really give them a lot of strength. And so we also see that there's a rift between Tace and Tula, and you know there's some interesting things that are going on with with Tula, the Imperial. Like I said, Tace, she has completely gotten rid of her hair. She doesn't want to be recognized as someone who's related to Tula. And when they made the exchange, when Princess Leia was went into Imperial custody, as she walks by Tula, she says, do better, do better. She makes clear her um, disapproval without getting angry and without, you know, blowing her top and, and being, and she actually does, does the same thing with uh, Jorah. Uh, she, again, she's showing these, natural inclination for being a good a good leader a strong leader and so we have now the big battle the star destroyer comes in and princess leia gives a big speech and it's a good speech and i'm not going to get into all the details of the speech but she talks about their arts their culture she talks about their people and who they are and what they stand for and Evan is now on Leia's side. And the reason she's on Leia's side is she saw what Leia did. She saw Leia put herself in danger to help rescue Tula, who didn't really deserve it. And that's a great theme. That's actually a really good leadership thing to see where she is there. You know, we are loyal to each other and I'm going to do what I can to help someone who needs my help and someone who only I can help, even though she doesn't deserve it, but she does deserve it because she's one of us and it's a nice moment. And so Evan is on her side and then this big speech gets everyone else on her side. So all the people from Alderaan, they are recognizing her as their leader. They're recognizing her as their princess. And so the big speech brings the people from Esperini. The people from the planet come into the battle and they're able to win the battle. And, and you know, we weren't expecting them to lose, although they, they could have. I mean, anything can happen as long as Princess Leia doesn't die or Ninnum. He can't die either. Anyway, uh, it ends with Leia leaving to go back to the rebellion. She helped start the rebellion and now she's going to help them keep going. She does not want to abandon them. And so the people of Alderaan have found a safe place to stay. Princess Leia is going to go back to the rebellion so she can be around for the events of the Empire Strikes Back and whatever other comic book stuff is going to happen in between these two movies. 
And I love the ending where she is kind of, it's, it's the culmination of everything that's happened here. Getting into the idea of, you know, Bail Organa saying you have to preserve our, our way of life. You have to preserve our, our creativity, our culture and all that stuff. And so the last couple of pages uh, just have this, this running uh, narration that says we are Alderaan. We answer rage with wisdom. We answer fear with imagination. We answer war with hope. We are each of us important. Alderaan survives. And it's nice. It's a good moment. I mean, she's faced all this loss. And I guess, you know, talking about the loss of, you know, Carrie Fisher and talking about the loss of some of the relationships uh, that I've lost and, and some of the, it's not even my loss, but some of the things that I have lost through um, people who are close to me having lost some things and, and then losing family members as well. You know, it's just this, this idea that um, we survive, you know, and, and seeing uh, Princess Leia, you know, how is she dealing with this loss? Well, how is she dealing with it? She's dealing with the loss of all these things by, by just working to build things back up. And it's not going to be the same. It'll never be the same but I, she's not going to stop. She's not going to stop working at it. And that's kind of, I guess, something to, to learn here is, you know, don't stop and, you know, answer war with hope. You know, that's, that's great. I, I love that idea. And then you see, I'm not going to say too much, but hope is a big theme here. Episode four retitled from Star Wars to episode four, a new hope. And if you've seen the trailers for rogue one, and if you've seen the rogue one movie, you know that the hope is a theme that is woven into that as well. And so I, I just, this is a nice book. It's a good book. It really works well for me. And I like it. I like it a lot. And this is one of the things that really sold me on the new star Wars stuff. So that's that's my uh, I guess rather longish review of of Princess Leia and uh, I'd love to hear from you any of your thoughts that you have about about this particular miniseries but also about Princess Leia the character and about Carrie Fisher too I mean I, I may not uh, read everything uh, if it's too personal I don't want to read it necessarily on the podcast but I definitely want to hear from you so yeah. All that said, I guess I don't have much more to say other than thank you for listening. And as always, may the force be with you and Godspeed. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, what Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time.
Star Wars, give me those Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars, don't let them Star Wars, those near and far Wars, talking about Star Wars on a podcast. I'm Ryan Daly, and welcome to... And I'm the Irredeemable Shag. Dude, what are you doing? What? Give me those Star Wars as my show. Well, you're part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, so it's really our show. But if you show up on the promo, people will think you're the co-host. I'm not? No, the show will have rotating guests. You just took that idea from my Justice League International podcast. You took that idea from my Secret Origins podcast. And you took that idea from Dead Both and Spies. That was my podcast. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I sang the theme song with you. So? So, technically, I appear on every episode. I'm part of the foundation of this new Star Wars show. That's... That's true. So, you want to take this from the top, or what? (sighs) I'm Ryan Daly. Join me and a galaxy of guest stars on Give Me Those... Including the irredeemable Shag, whose voice you will technically hear on every episode. On Give Me Those Star Wars... The official Star Wars show of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Available on iTunes and Stitcher and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. <laughs>